Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and oh, we both got him. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you are watching the Saturday Morning D&D Show, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. It's a wonderful Saturday morning. Yeah, we're super excited to be here. We got our Jordan University shirts on, so that's really fun. I was happy mine came in the mail. It seemed like everybody else got theirs, like, a day or two early, and I was really sad. I was like, but, but what? I, I ordered it at the same time. But, yeah, say la vie. Um, I was just happy because I was dealing with, this is what's funny. You saved me a little bit because I ordered the shirt and it triggered in my mind, wait a minute, what address do I send it to? How long is it going to get here? Because I'm switching addresses. Oh, that's quick. right. You're moving. And I don't want nothing to, I don't want anything to get lost. So yeah. I was like, oh my God. So I did that and immediately spent another like five hours tracking down all the Kickstarters I'm in because unfortunately you do a Kickstarter and a year later you get yeah. something. And I had to go back and try to find all these addresses that I have in. And I'm like, am I getting it now? Should I have it sent to the new place? Should I have yeah. it sent? Oh, it was a big nightmare. But because I was getting the shirt, it made me think of all that ahead of time. So it was that's good. good. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially Kickstarters. That's got to be rough. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of Kickstarters, one of my. Um, got one in? One No. Well, one of my players, he. Oh, I got something on it. That's sad. But uh, he Kickstarted these. Um, character sheets and they're in like little books and you can i don't know it's just like a really i'm not doing a good job of this but like it's just a really cool little character sheet yeah um that is in a nice little hard not hardback but like uh it's I totally just in, in a nice bound um stapled and everything <laughs> it's got a cool d20 on the front and anyway he gave it to me he's just like no i kickstarted a bunch of these i got some extra here's one for you if you want to use it so i was like man but i feel like it has to be a really special character for me to want to use this uh <laughs> this cool character sheet but it's it's pretty neat i like it a lot now is it one sheet per book or is it like several sheets in the same book um i don't understand the question how many character sheets are in the book oh, you just, just held one. up? So this oh, is so one is character one. sheet. It's like one whole thing. Okay, yeah, and you. so here's like your character sheet and then spells. And then towards the back, it has uh, um, hexes and things like that for notes. For maps and notes. Yep. And yeah. So it's just kind of this like all-encompassing, like this is your this is your diary for your campaign for everything. I like the um, size of it. I like I that it's too. like a pocketbook yeah. paper book size. That's yeah. super cool. Um, critforbrains.com. They are in no way sponsoring us, but I think they made a cool product. So <laughs> wow. I can't wait till they do sponsor us. It'll be great. <laughs> mm. Here, here. Um, yeah. So there's a little book that came out uh, yesterday uh, called uh, Vater Deep Dragon Heist. I... I keep spelling heist wrong too. So oh, do you? <laughs> I mean, I spell heist now, which is good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I haven't picked it up because I'm on. We were just talking before the stream started, and I am on the fence whether I want to play in it or I, whether I want to run it, or if I kind of am uh, resolute in that I probably won't do both for a long enough time that I will pick it up just to read it, which is yeah. what I did with Tomb of Annihilation. I kind of knew that I was interested in Tomb of Annihilation, but I knew that I wouldn't if I was going to run it. I couldn't run it anytime soon, but I picked it up anyway because I was excited for it. Um, and yeah, and now I kind of wish that I hadn't picked it up because after reading through the whole thing, I really wish I could have been a player in it. It would have been a lot mm -hmm. of fun. And so Waterdeep is kind of the same way where I'm just like, oh, but what if I find, you know, it's, and it's conceivable to me because it's not, um, a one through 15 kind of adventure. It's a one yeah. through five adventure. So it's a little yeah. more like, I feel like I have friends that are just like, no, I, I could run five levels. Like that sounds mm -hmm. fun. As opposed to be like, it's a huge commitment to run, you know, yeah. 10 to 15 levels. So, And from what I've read, too, um, it definitely could fit into the pre part of a campaign or somewhere right after a campaign. Yeah. So if maybe you started some characters out at level one and two, they could easily still slide into this 
and go through it and have a really good time. It also would work if you're, I kind of mentioned this on the video I did last night about it was like, if you're running Storm King Slender, which I have ran, yeah, they say one to 12 in that, but they give you the one to five is kind of just like a hurry up and get them there. And it's, you know, it's almost like they're rushing them through. So it's not like a, a well-defined adventure arc to get you through one to five because they want you to be kind of sixth level so that you can go tackle giants right because you can be yeah. tackling things that can throw boulders at people so yeah. they've got to get you to that level and it's still good they do it in a good way but this is a really good fit in if you would have went to this and right into that because water deep's right there in the middle of everything that's going on so it fits out pretty good there i bet this would work somewhere around the the um uh the apocalypse one the um i'm getting them all Princes of the Apocalypse. Princes of the Apocalypse. It could be close to that one because Waterdeep's up in that area. You're up in that Red Larch area, so you're doing stuff. So it's really cool. All these Um, adventures have been kind of Sword Coast based. So Waterdeep is a good hub for that, uh, which kind of makes sense that they did this. Things that you might want to get it for. um, If you like to see a adventure that's been built that has many options and many different ways to run it, Mm -hmm. and if you've been looking to run an urban adventure and the things that you got to keep in mind, dealing with the law, heavy guilds, like everything's gilded. You want your roof fixed, you have to contact three different guilds to get their permission type kind of thing. (laughs) Or if you don't, you start to run into problems with them because you're not using them. That kind of style of gameplay, which could be really fun because that's different than going out in the woods and going out, you know, all the adventuring out in the wilds. This is a lot about dealing with the adventure of bureaucracy and the adventure of neighborhoods and the adventure of, you know, the town that has different sectors, you know, you go down to the dock area, that's going to feel very different than if you're up in the, where all the Lords are. And it's going to be very different if you're in the merchant district different. So it's really nice. It's a really big thing has a gigantic map in the back that you can pull out Yeah, both sides, one D uh, one DM side, uh, one player side. If you want just a water deep map for your game, definitely worth it for that. Um, and again, the idea that the way they I heard it was down to like street levels too. Like these, these yeah. are the name of, of streets within Waterdeep. Like yeah. they, they zoom in quite a bit on that map, which is really cool. Yeah. It's big. It's a pretty big one right at the back. Um, they have a lot of, uh, NPC when they say monsters, they don't really necessarily have monster stats in this book, but they do have things like towns, guard guilds. Uh, thugs and things like that. So if you're looking monsters for monsters in the sense of I, things to attack, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of stats are in there, which are nice. Um, so I think that's good. The artwork is fantastic. Yeah, uh, and the way they structure the adventure could be a way that you could build one of your own adventures if you wanted to make sure it had like five or six different things that it could do. The way they wrote it out here is a good template to say, oh, okay. I see how they did it here. I could do that for one of my adventures mm-hmm. where I'm not quite sure where the player is going to go. So I thought that was pretty good. Now, reasons you might not buy it, you're a player, because if you buy it, it's all spoilers. There's there's one chapter you could read in here that doesn't have spoilers. Well, it's an adventure. It's like made yeah. for, like, I was hoping that this book, I mean, it, I feel like it's an adventure. It's made for DMs, but I was hoping that this book had more if I wanted to create my own city, how would I utilize, how do, how do you create a city kind of on the fly? Because mm-hmm. um, rather than like defining out, here's what Waterdeep is, I was kind of hoping that it was more of like a Vornheim, um, the city building kit, where it's <laughs> like you can kind of use this template to build Neverwinter or to build Luskin. Like you can build these other cities using kind of a template, but that's not really what it is, is it? It's no, straight up it's an adventure. it's clearly an adventure. Yeah. yeah, I have not seen very many uh, random roll tables. I have not yeah. seen very many. Which isn't to say uh, it's a bad product. It's just no. kind of in my mind when they were talking about it, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to do that. So Yeah, it was like the city box set from yeah. back in the day where it had a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, adventure. There is a gunslinger in here, class. Not a class, but a, like a creature. A, a drow gunslinger uh, which was gunpowder but yeah but the uh, pistols and gunpowder it was pretty cool um i like too that there is a little mark on the top i'm not sure if you can quite see it on this book but up in this corner they've got a mark like they do at the bottom of the book like here uh this piece here you know how it does that red flag and that's on every single book well there's a black one up here that you can barely see and it has the the dragon coin, which is kind of a squarish 
dragon coin, or you can see all the little dragon coins here. So I wondered why that was up there. And I wondered if this was a mark that they were going to start using on books to show like it's an adventure or something, because it looks like it's a mark that goes on books to help you tell what type of book this is. Why well, it's I know up there, on that's the, the only reason I could think of. The binding of it um, on the side, yeah. uh, there at the bottom, there should be like a little mark because all the adventures seem to have like a mark on them. But does this not have one? Has that. Yeah, that's the little, that's the dragon mark. And so yeah. Tomb of Annihilation has that on there. Storm King's Thunder has that on there. Oh, not yeah, yeah. not the water, not the dragon mark, but like the mark that's appropriate for that thing. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, so. I'll have to go back and look at my other books to see if that's up there in that top left corner. Well, now I'm curious. Um, other reasons you might want it. Yeah, he's going to grab it now. Other reasons you might want it, you're a collector. You're collecting all the books. You like to make sure you have them all. Awesome reason to have it. Um, there is no variant cover for this book, though. So the only one that's out there is the one that you're going to get, yeah. which is nice. Oh, yeah, there's. Okay, so that's the Tomb of Annihilation one. Now, is it up at the top corner? Oh, it is. Okay. All right, so that's what it is. I just never noticed it on my other books. Yeah, because they're adventures. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get my. Uh, oh, you know, most of my adventure books, I buy on Roll Twenty. Yeah. Because I'm gonna play them. I don't have the hard copy. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. Well, I think it's good. I, I don't learned want to something today. About it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, I think it's a pretty good book. I don't think you need it as a player. I think it's fun to read as an adventure. I think you can put it into other places. I think you could retool it and put it anywhere. If you were playing Pathfinder, you could still use this. Yeah. Change some of the stats, but it's it's adventure-based. It's not creature-based or stat-based. So there's a lot of good information in here. They do one thing that's super cool, and I'm sure many people have heard it. It's not spoiling it, but it does take into account seasons, and certain decisions can mean that you run this during different seasons, and that might make things a little different in the town. So I thought that'd be cool. Running a, a winter a, a winter water deep adventure could be very different from running, say, a spring water deep adventure. So I thought that was cool. So that goes into a question that I have for you. Well, I've got two questions, but the first question is: Do you feel like a DM will get fun running this multiple times? because he can slightly change it via the season or via the villain or via like kind of what Wizards of the Coast yeah. was saying. Like, is this going to be fun for a dungeon master to run multiple times? I believe so. Because I think it's, especially if it's the same exact group, you'll have to work in your storyline a little bit, depending on how it goes and how the first one ends and then how it's going to pick it up again and try again. Mm -hmm. the, um, without spoiling the story, I believe, yes, even the same group could run it more than once. Really? It would okay. be super easy for a dungeon master to run this three, four, five different times with different groups. In each yeah. one of those groups, if they were to go to talk to each other and be like, what? That's what you did in your adventure? That had nothing to do with my adventure. And the GM could just sit back and go, yes. Which yes. I think was Wizard's goal with this book is that... Um, not that dungeon masters get bored, but there are there are players like I have a patron on Patreon that is like a professional dungeon master, and he does uh, he runs the same adventure over and over and over, and so something like keeping it interesting for him, um, for people like him, and just the idea that like I could play in Waterdeep and then take that book and I could run it for somebody else, and it could be completely different from my experience that I played is kind of um, it's kind of fun. I like that. Yeah. So my second question. Good. My oh, second question is how long do you think it takes to get through this? Cause it's only five levels. And so it makes me wonder like, is this a four to five, maybe six sessions? This is kind of exactly the amount of time if you played every week to get through it, uh, to start dungeon of the mad mage at level six, or is this like a three month campaign, four month campaign? Yeah, I am thinking the way this runs, you're not going to play five sessions and be fifth level. Um, it's hard to tell exactly by reading it how okay. many sessions this is going to last. Because is it you're XP going or is it merit-based leveling? Um, it talks about when you go to certain parts, the character should be this level. So okay. it's almost... Kind of like Storm King's Thunder? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to get them there. And it leaves plenty of room for you to let the characters do some other stuff in there um how do i say it um they will get into some of their own adventures or own little shenanigans a few times that aren't really listed here but are just because of the circumstances of what's going on um 
to me, this probably is going to be, I bet it's probably, I would say it's probably a four month campaign. Okay. If you were playing once a week and it's going to be a lot of RP, there's going to be mystery. There's going to be them talking a lot with NPCs. Mm -hmm. Be ready for that. Um, there is combat and stuff, but there's other things going on too. And it brings in this whole entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, I don't know if that's a word. Um, Entrepreneur. Yes. The, because they're going to be, I think that's been kind of tweeted everywhere too, or talked about everywhere too. They have this chance to own a building. Yeah. Waterdeep. So that brings in, that's going to shift their gears into thinking about a business which is going to shift their gears into the type of adventure you're going to run for them and the things that you can run at, or put at them like, hey, somebody wants to buy your building out. You said no. They're getting a little antsy about it. Now they send their muscle in. You can send those kinds of things. Even though that's not necessarily listed here, that type of storyline could happen. So you could all, all of a sudden start running storylines like from um, I just started rewatching. Uh, they just released um, Iron Fist. Uh, season two and that's all about hell's kitchen in new york and the street level problems of a big city right so you have daredevil and and uh, luke mm -hmm. cage and all these things that's the same kind of things you could do in Waterdeep if you're looking for so it's gangs moving into territory um all kinds of criminal elements trying to buy out property because they're doing something nefarious and then they want your property and you don't want to sell your price so that whole kind of thing can happen and pop up so who knows how long that's going to push your campaign if you dive into those pieces. Mm -hmm. It does feel shorter. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah, I saw that like like Creature Codex came out. And although that is a very different book from uh, Kobold Press, uh, the reviewers that I was watching, they put the two of them side by side. And it's just like almost three to four times as thick as Waterdeep Dragon Heist is. Yeah. So. It's kind That's of a crazy. finished book, yeah. but it's only levels one to five, which is why, I mean, yeah. it, make, it makes sense. So 224 pages. It's not bad um, for an adventure. And I think one of the things it feels to me like if it feels like this is skimpy on stuff that you might want, I think they've done it because they know next month comes out Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Next month comes out. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I was wondering. Like, yeah, it comes yeah. out in November. So uh, yeah. that's why I was wondering if you could finish this in a month or two months so that you can just pick up Dungeon of the Mad Mage once. Like if I started today kind of a thing. But maybe yeah. if you power through it and you really stay on the storyline and you don't deviate, you don't yeah. let them expand from that. But where's the fun in that? Maybe you could. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you could. <laughs> Hard to say, though. It's not clear reading it. There's nothing I don't remember in the beginning that says, expect this to be a 25-session thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't talk anything about you know how long to expect. It talks about how to run it. It talks about some of the stuff that's going on. It does give a pronunciation guide. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. In the front end. Um, Which Wizards has been pretty vocal about not wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. But I wonder with streaming and stuff that they're just kind of like, we should all get these people on the same page. Um, yeah. Pronunciation wise, I don't know. And, and right in the beginning of the introduction, I'll just read a part here. Make Waterdeep your own, which is something we tell all the time. Yeah. Anytime you get any of these things, it's about grabbing pieces or all of it, but making it yours. So that's different. And it's much has been written about Waterdeep over the years. This book presents much of that information, but you aren't bound by it. Feel free to embellish and change what you will. Your version of Waterdeep is the only version that matters for your campaign. Yeah. And that's something we've touted quite a bit. And I think it's a lot of G Dungeon Masters know that, but there might be a lot of new Dungeon Masters that don't understand that. And they, they go through these books and thinking, oh, I've got to run it just this way. My players aren't following the line. Now what do I do? I get flustered. Don't worry about it. Just Just roll with it. Or, or just vision. like, I mean, this could be a city in Eberron. This could be a city in your home campaign. Like, it doesn't have to yeah. be Waterdeep. Like, you could just be like, I'm going to run this in a city. And it's going to be, because how many uh, campaign settings have, like, big metropolitan cities, you know? Whether it's, like, Sharn <laughs> of Eberron or, yeah. or uh, yeah. Waterdeep or Neverwinter. the other big one. Remember that one? Say what? Tolus, remember P-T-O-U-L-S, was created by Monty Cook for Dungeons & Dragons Three five, I think. Oh, I don't know. Super that one. mega city, super yeah. big mega city. 
Um, this is, you know, Ed Greenwood's mega city. Like you said, Sharn is, um, Keith Baker's big mega city. Yeah. So, uh, Ravnica yeah. is magic. The gathering's big, epic super city. So yeah, it's definitely out there and those adventures are there. So pretty good. I don't think you're missing out too much. If you miss this one, you skip by it. Um, I'm curious to see dungeon of the mad mage and what's in that, because that's supposed to be like something like 27 dungeon levels yeah. of goodness. I can't wait to see what that book looks like. Um, dripping with adventure. The maps in these. So if you like Dyson's maps, there's a bunch of maps in here for those of inns and hideouts and buildings and warehouses and um, layers and all these kinds of things, cool maps that you can use in there. So I thought it was pretty fun. It, it looks like it's going to be fun. Um, I'm a little sad I've spoiled it, so I probably won't ever play it in it because I know what's going on, but I definitely can see myself using it down the line. I don't know if I'll be using it soon, but eventually I could see, oh, you know what? It's time to break out um, Waterdeep Heist and then let's, uh, let's run some characters through it. Yeah, um, so Dungeon of the Mad Mage is probably going to be similar. It's going to be four, I mean, it's an adventure. It's going to be four Dungeon Masters and, and another, like, modular. I can kind of steal different pieces and make it my own kind of a thing. But uh, do you think Ravnica is going to be more for players or for Dungeon Masters? That's a campaign setting that's a little different than other than adventure books that we get. I think um, both. I yeah. think um, because it's not going to be adventure-based, it's going to be informational, and it's going to have character classes. It's going to have races. So that's one where a player could pick it up. And you're not spoiling anything because I feel like in that book, the uh, dungeon master is still going to be using it as a resource. And they call it Guild Master's Guide to Ravnica. Yeah. So for building the guilds, understanding the guilds, understanding the town, um, I think it will be one that is one of the books that'll be a high volume book as far as if people are interested in another setting um, and it'll be players and dungeon masters getting it. Whereas I see Waterdeep um, Heist, Dragon Heist being dungeon master for the most part, maybe some players just because they want to collect the, uh, the book. Same with um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage definitely feels to me like it's going to be a Dungeon Master resource, mm -hmm. not necessarily a player resource. So maybe a lower volume book for that one. So mm -hmm. Ravnica will probably be more like Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, where it's just kind of, here's a couple of extra things, some new backgrounds, things like that, and then information on the land. But Ravnica yeah. will really focus on this guild aspect but yeah, I'm excited for that one. That's going to be, that's, that's another interesting one where I'm like, I'm on the fence, whether I'm going to buy it or not, I guess we'll mm -hmm. see when it comes out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah. Kinda it, cool. Well, in the spoilers and swag show this week, uh, Nathan had said something, there was a question that was asked of him from Twitch that said, um, maybe it was from a Reddit post or something about how are you releasing too many books? Mm -hmm. And he kind of joked it off with saying, Oh, okay. Well, Sounds like the audience doesn't want us to release more than two books a year. We'll go back to that, everybody. So everybody, we're going back to two books a year. And he was kind of laughing about it because I'm sure there's that huge contingent out there that's like, no, we don't want just two books a year. We keep giving us good information. Yeah. But there is that group of people that are out there that are definitely looking at this in a negative light to be like, what? They're money grabbing. They're money grubbing. They're trying to get more stuff. They're not really putting out quality products. They're just trying to reach for that dollar kind of thing. There's that group that's out there too, that seems to be upset when there's too many products coming out. I'm not part of that party, but I know it's out there. And then, but that statement made me think about something. If in their mind, they put out two major books that they expect to be their main books and they make their main money off of, it seems like they can put out these other books that if they don't do as well numbers wise, that doesn't really hurt them because their two books that they meant to really make their year are already out, have already been bought. You know, it's thousands of them have been sold. They're on the, you know, Amazon's top 10 list for a while or whatever it is. Yeah. Players handbooks are still selling. Dungeon master guides are still selling. Um, all that stuff's still selling. So putting out a few of these other books where the, the unit count is much lower, probably doesn't hurt them. They're probably in an, a space where they can do that now because they have other successful books that they're putting out throughout the year. So to me, I'm great with it. More, more content. Yeah. I'm happy with it. No, I mean, if they, yep, I agree. Like, uh, as long as it's, it's 
nice quality content, which I mean, I guess you can decide whether you want to buy it or not. There are so many people that do reviews of these books as they come out. And so there's no real like buyer's remorse. Like you can totally avoid that if you want to. Yeah. So, And you can usually get cheaper PDF versions of it from drive through RPG. Once it's been out for at least a month or two, then they start selling those discounted PDFs and well, not of I adventures, start... but, uh, Oh yeah. Is it not, is it just yeah. the books? Oh, no, okay. they don't have PDFs for anything. Um, fifth edition, except for the wayfinders guide. So drive through RPG oh, is like earlier editions. Yeah. I thought for sure I saw it out there. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, it might be like a pirated thing. Yeah, it could be. You can get it on Roll20 or you can get it but on... Roll20 uh, or D&D Beyond. That's where yeah, they want you to go yeah. and buy it and get it digitally. Yeah. So, yeah. Which so those are cool. I use D&D Beyond for my Saver Dice character. And I was kind of like on the fence. I'm like, I don't really see the value in this. Now I totally see the value. Like when you have all <laughs> the books and all the stuff available to you, which the dungeon master was able to share his subscriptions with me to create my character. So I had the full gauntlet of everything. I'm like, this is amazing. And you can just drop things in and out. And, uh, it's, yeah, that's a, I totally see the value in it. Um, even though I don't want to buy all of my books twice, but, uh, I will get into this later, but I am making a new character for a game that I am starting today. And I was, uh, wishing that I had the resources of D&D Beyond to make it because it would have just been a lot easier than Jordan flipping through five different books. So, yeah. But before we get into that, what did you do in games this week, Mr. Lucian? Well, I'm still running the mega campaign. That seems to be uh, the story for me for the last couple weeks and probably will be for the next couple. Um, we're playing Seeking Ravenor, which is the mega campaign that I've designed it is a hex crawl West Marches style game that allows players to build their own parties and then go out on expeditions. Um, it has some cool skill challenge stuff while traveling. It has some fun adventure uh, information. It has plenty of story for them to define, but it also has some plenty of random things that can just happen to keep the to keep them on their toes. And it's been pretty good. I have a main group that runs on Monday night, and they did pretty good. They went up against. Um, one of the things that happens in a in a West Marches, I think, is that you have to populate your map with all the stuff that you want to have out there. Um, and when you do that, there's this possibility that, let's say, this didn't actually happen, but let's say I'm going to have a dragon in my campaign, and I need to put him in a place somewhere out on my map. So I pick this cool, lonely mountain, and I put a dragon there, and I think, oh, I have this cool story built around this dragon. <laughs> well, because it's West Marches and because the group really just decides where they're going, I don't have a storyline that's running them through this. They could at one point decide, hey, we want to go look at that lonely mountain and we're first level. Um, so that can happen. <laughs> and so a similar thing happened. These guys had went to one of the things I set up that is probably way higher level than they are. And they ran into a patrol first to give them an idea of, whoa, wait a minute, whatever this is, we almost just died and we only just met the first patrol of it, let alone whatever, wherever these things are coming from. So I think they've got a handle on that. It was touch and go. Um, we almost had a TPK, I thought, but they pulled it out with good dice rolls and good teamwork at the end. Um, they got to fight. Uh, have you ever heard of a Norker? No. No, it's a creature from the old Fiend Folio. If you remember that book, the greatest monster manual book of all time, <laughs> uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, one of the things I've done in my world here is I went out and I've selected little pieces of things that I found here or there, or I still had adventures for from my old stuff and dropped them in little places on my map. So in this one, I found an old AD&D adventure that I've got dropped out on the west side of my map and my players bumped into it. So they got to fight Norkers, which is a creature from um, uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And I did find, which was really cool over on DM's Guild, they had a conversion of it. So they actually, somebody had went back and, and converted stat lines for things and gave you a bunch of information that said, hey, if you're gonna run this old adventure, here's the things you could do to make it 5e compatible. And I was oh, like, that's oh, that's cool. 
super cool. So there's a lot of that stuff happening because I don't go over to DMs Guild probably enough because I'm constantly creating for myself. Yeah. Um, but there was that kind of cool thing over there. So once I saw that, I was like, oh, this is cool. So I have this original version. I have a nice little guide that says, here's what you do for fifth, make it more fifth edition. And now my players can run through it. And it's a real adventure. It's a real thing that uh, Gary Gygax wrote, in fact. Um, so they kind of bumped into that one. Then in another one, I have something that was written by uh, Monty Cook. and Or no, it was uh, written by Bruce Cordell. And it was for Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition. I got something of that up in the north. I have something brand new that's not even a Dungeons & Dragons, but it's an adventure towards the south. And then I have uh, a few more things placed in that are my own. So really, it's this big hodgepodge this mixing pot of adventures and different things from all over. And it's keeping them on their toes because they've been fifth edition players now and they've been expecting fifth edition stuff. But now their things are getting thrown at them that are just like, what is this? Or yeah. what is that? And every now and then one of them recognizes, like they, they recognize the artwork of the Norker, like two of them recognize it. I was like, <laughs> the Fiend Folio. And it's like, what's going on here? And it was, it was pretty fun and cool. So it's cool to do that. Um, they're having fun. They are creating a pretty good story. They're the monster squad. They're the group of um, characters that completely rolled random. And so they have a really eclectic race set of characters. So again, it was like the uh, two dragonborns, different different types of dragons. Um, we have a Kenku, a Furbolg, and a Gith Zerai. So, I mean, it's like a very, I mean, just imagine that walks into a bar. That sounds like the start of a joke of some sort, right? <laughs> that that walks into a bar. So they've, I've been hinting at what's really super fun is that's the game that runs on Monday night. And that's like what I think of as the main campaign. But I'm letting fans and other people that hear about this game run. So they're creating expeditions and they're running. And I can use things that are happening to them to feed rumors and stuff to the other group. So when I ran my Thursday night group, um, another expedition went out to find a different ruin. Um, they had heard that the monster squad, which is what everybody kind of calls them behind their backs, but not to their faces, uh, had seen this ruin, but didn't have time to stop and go look at it. They continued on to wherever they were going. So this new group on Thursday went out to go look at that thing. And so they got to hear a little bit about the Monday night group. So there's this really fun dynamic that's happening for a, as a dungeon master of a story that is unraveling with now I'm up to probably 16 characters, right? Because I've got at least five in the Monday night that are playing every Monday night. I've had four in last Thursday's game, five in this past Thursday's game. So that's another nine. So my math is probably off, but all of a sudden, there's lots of people driving the storyline forward and lots of them are hearing about what the others are doing and making it more of a living world. So that is really fun to do. It does add a ton of work though, to keep track yeah. of everything that's going on. OneNote has been my savior in this because I'm trying to keep track of when XP has been given, what they've done, what decisions they've made and how that affected things. And then I keep track of uh, each of the groups. I keep track of who went, um, the items they get or the, the money they make or the, um, the things they uncover. Um, in this last Thursday session, they uncovered one of the pantheon of this new world. So now there's going to be a new god that's um, available for brand new characters to do like cleric or paladin. Mm -hmm. And in fact, our, fur, our furbog is already wanted to be a paladin of this deity. So now that the deity is uncovered, he can be a deity of Ara, which is the lady in the lake. So very Arthurian style deity. Um, so it's really cool. So it's this intertwining of campaign. I think you would be finding the same thing as if you were running hot, hot springs um, with like say two or three groups in a given week. Yeah. And they were different groups. They were going out and doing things. And then you were purposely letting the other group know what the other group was doing and like little rumors or, oh, you overheard this over in the tavern that group A went out and fought these things. And they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. But group B, they almost died fighting this thing over here. And when all the players are starting to hear those rumors and interact and, and talk about it, it becomes this really cool and fun living world. I think. So, but I can't even imagine running multiple sessions of Hot Springs Island and keeping everybody coordinated. Like you were saying, I guess OneNote is your savior, but like yeah. 
like I'm already just like, wait, did you? Because uh, we ran into it le- this week where I brought them to a, a hex they had already been to. And they're just like, I think we've already done this one. And I'm like, you did? And then they were describing it to me. And I'm like, we totally did. And I didn't mm-hmm. like mark it down that you guys had done this one. So my bad. Yeah. So when you were prepping, it was like newish to you because you that's the problem with the Dungeon Master, right? We forget because we're prepping so much stuff that sometimes we forget what happened three mm-hmm. episodes ago players don't they remember their story <laughs> no but i i like i like this idea i think it's a fun experiment to see if it works i like that you're doing skill challenge style travel and 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 stuff like that it's kind of um hex crawls are fun like i'm enjoying hot springs island it's very similar uh in that regard and uncovering stuff and things like that you just have a more interconnected world than i do yeah, yeah. Well, and like Skull Dixon is one of the one who's went on. Uh, he he led an expedition two Thursdays ago, and he was a member of the expedition this last Thursday. And like he was saying is like, oh, because they wanted when they had heard about this ruin that the monster squad had found. One of the players very smartly said, well, let's go find the monster squad and let's ask him questions about what they found. Monster Squad still wasn't back yet because they were out on their expedition. So what I'm doing to try to keep it working, I'm using a little bit of movie magic. I'm using a little bit of uh, suspend disbelief. Everything in my week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, happens in-game during a certain week. And everything that's Thursday, Friday, or the weekend happens in another week during the game. So every real week in the real world is two weeks in the game terms. So this allows me to have people going in and out and missing each other, and then giving me enough space to span out while this these, this group was gone for six days. Because if I'm trying to track it every single day, it's a nightmare. Like if I'm yeah. trying to keep track of where are they at on day five? All right, where's expedition number two out on day five? Where's expedition number three out? I, that, you can't get in that granular you gotta you gotta bring it out a little bit more you gotta give yourself some space to have some extra days in there to to fudge the timeline and and it's still gonna get messed up a little so you have to have like that idea of like when you're watching a tv show you're never quite sure if you're watching seinfeld was episode the very next episode the very next day was it the next week was it another month you're not quite sure you just know it's somewhere in there related somehow yeah So you got to kind of do that with your adventure. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So time management is a big thing. Keeping really good notes. You can't skimp on the notes on this style. Um, There's just too many players asking you questions about things and trying to have you remember what happened that you've got to really keep those good notes. You've got to be able to have good documentation so that you're not getting inundated with lots of questions about how to make characters or can I do this or can I do that? Cause I get a little bit of that at the moment of, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do that? And a lot of my answers are, I know that sounds super cool, but for this campaign, I'm already doing a lot. Like here's a question that I've got a couple times already. They were talking about, Hey, can we do some downtime activities? And yeah, that's super cool. And I want people to be able to do those, but I don't have enough bandwidth to track that at the moment. Right. I don't have enough space to track who's building swords and who's making magic right. items and who's researching Between dead two languages. or three different groups. And yeah. 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 So eventually when I get my, my campaign running smoothly and efficiently, I can add in more of that stuff. Um, but I told him just at the moment, not quite, we're not quite there yet. Let me get this whole piece going and let my mind wrap around it and get my, get my tools that I'm using the help with efficiency working and and fine tuned. And then we can say, all right, let's start talking about you're a blacksmith and you make some money on the side during your four or five days down. What's that going to look like or how does that work? So, yeah. So that has been that other than that um, behind this thing you see here, which is back again um, is basically an empty room behind me with nothing but boxes that say basement on them so that the movers know where to move the boxes. I have my big empty bookcase with no books on it anymore. Um, So everything is getting ready to transition from one house to another. And then I can start building my new Twitch YouTube streaming studio and getting the other house ready to go. So it's going to be hectic, but we're gonna, we'll are we get a little bit of playing in here and there um, before the winter kicks in. Because when the winter kicks in, I want to really ramp this up and see if I can't run a couple of weeks where I run like four or five groups through in a single week. So, you know, <laughs> just go crazy. Yeah. Christmas break or so, something crazy like that. So yeah. 
so that's been my week in gaming, all D&D related, all 5e right now, full bore. I do want to get back to doing Numenera stuff or doing the Strange or doing Cypher System. I do want to get back into doing some Warhammer stuff. I've got a lot of Kickstarter RPGs that I've been a part of, and I want to start running some of those games. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to give this um, this mega campaign a good push here for the next few months first, and then start diving back into some of that. Because I want to play DCC. I'd love to play DCC with um, uh, Jordan running a game, or even MCC, which would be super cool. Uh, Mutant Crawl Chronicles. uh, Classics, yeah. Classics, yeah. Um, Uh, But no, uh, and... No, I should. I think I uh, we had this idea of me running DCC online for some reason, and so I made um, the initial map in uh, Photoshop so that I could import it into Roll Twenty. Um, so we can definitely we should do that at some point. We'll schedule a, a Saturday, maybe in October or November, and we can do yeah. um, a DCC game. So. And one other thing I may try in this mega campaign, which is something I know other people have done. It's not like I'm inventing this or anything. I might at some point bring on additional dungeon masters oh. to run even more people through the same world. And then there'll be a whole nother level of a dungeon master area where we're all talking with each other about how the different threads are unwinding and how to make sure we're all keeping things in, uh, in sync. But then we're all able to continue to run more and more groups through Revenar, like this. I'm just thinking of Revenar is that big old style meat grinder where they shove the meat in and they're winding that big crank. <laughs> all, the, all the little hamburger meat trails are coming out. That's what I'm thinking of Revenar is just start grinding them characters out and through. So that might be something I try to tackle because what's cool about it is the idea of organizing multiple stel- storytellers in a cohesive narrative. So it's well, these skills of trying to keep that together, that web together. It's kind of like the living world campaigns back in the day, but yeah. on a smaller scale, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my first kind of foray into understanding all the mechanics exactly of a living campaign. And, and that could be really cool from a streaming standpoint is if you got like three or four dungeon masters and it was like, we're all going to stream our games in this world. P- multiple people could watch different streams or all the streams together, but know that it's, it's you're, you're crafting this world and or shaping it, I guess. Um, together, which is kind of cool. Or even imagine even better, you like it so much that you can just follow the rules, go make a character, sign up, and you could play in it. Yeah. It's that wide open. There, There is no, you can't play in it. The only thing that you have to have to be able to play in mine, although anybody could do the same thing I'm doing and have less restrictions. My restriction is you have to have a microphone. You have to be able to play on roll 20. You don't have to have a camera, though I, I like it because we are streaming the games, but you could do this not streaming it and take that whole piece out of it and still mm-hmm. have a really cool thing and still offer it. So it's very inclusive for somebody that's a fan of it or is just like, wow, this is so cool. I would love to do that. There's nothing stopping you right now from, from joining mine as long as you have a microphone that we can hear you talk. Uh, Lex in chat says, yay, DCC and MCC. And I just want to point yeah. out that he was the guy that introduced me to Dungeon Call Classics and uh, <laughs> ran a game for us online here. And it was so much fun. Um, yeah. And which lit, lit that whole fire within me. And I love Dungeon Crawl Classics now a lot. So, yay, Lex. Cool. So what did Jordan do in role playing this week? It must be a lot, I'm sure. Uh, No. <laughs> no <laughs> not a ton uh had my tuesday hot springs island game i will always go over here and look at my notes um they're exploring more hexes i'm trying to think what was interesting um oh this is what was interesting uh there is a reddit um post i'm on reddit good a lot good old reddit and uh somebody created a table of uh this like a f- demon obsidian dice or devil obsidian dice so it's an in-game item of these obsidian dice and you you when you touch them they're a cursed item that brings you into this extra dimensional space with this devil who says in order for you to leave you need to play a game of dice with me and you need to roll these dice and so then you roll on a random table and the table has good things and bad things and so it's kind of this it's just a fun gambling mechanic So I was reading Hot Springs Island and there came a point where there's kind of this, um, 
there's a cave that opens up into a larger, larger cavern. And in this cavern is an altar with stone benches kind of set up like a church or like a gathering place where they would, they would face this altar and somebody would talk behind this altar. Um, and in the Hot Springs Island book, it says that there is some obsidian dice on one of the benches. So immediately my brain went back to this Reddit post that I read, like it must've been a year ago or longer. And I was just like, I think I saved that. Cause usually when I find something interesting, I save it in my Google drive and then I can like incorporate it into a game at some point. So that's exactly what I did. And my players explored this area. They found the dice, they touched it. They did a wisdom save and they succeeded on the wisdom save, but they were so curious as to what might've happened had they like spoken out. They, cause the wisdom save is that you have this overwhelming urge to say this demonic name but they prevented themselves from saying the name out loud. But then it was like, well, now I want to know what happened. So I had one player pick up the dice and he said the name out loud, went to this extra dimensional space, rolled on the random table. And the what he rolled was you have to pull in another, like you're free to go home, but you have to replace yourself with somebody else from your campaign or somebody else from your group. So he volunteered somebody else who got sucked in. And then I said, you need to roll on this table now. Um, that character rolled on the table and ended up increasing their two stats. Uh, they got a positive outcome. So two of their stats went up. And so then nice. the third player was like, well, I want to do this too. So he rolled randomly on the table and two of his stats come up. He got the exact same thing. He rolled a four. <laughs> so it was really interesting because they were asking me afterwards. They're like, well, like, could we have died? Are there negative things? I'm like, I'm not going to let you know what could have happened, but you should know that there are extremely negative things on this table. And you guys were extremely lucky that you rolled the, the way you did. The fourth player didn't want to take any chances with it. Um, but it's moments like this that I like in Dungeons and Dragons or in role-playing games in general, where you really create a sense of memory. Like they're going to remember this moment. They're going to remember how lucky they were. And it's just fun. So, um, and in fact, I have the Reddit link that I think I'll put in the doobly-doo, but I'll also put in our um, chat window. So now my players, if they're watching, will probably click that and know exactly what they did miss out on. But say la vie. I think it's interesting if people want to be able to use it in their campaigns. Um, so that was fun. Um, we're noticing that, uh, oh, and they fought some ooze elementals. So I had some like ochre jellies that I converted into ooze elementals, um, oh, okay. which they learned the hard way that lightning damage splits the ochre jellies into more and that slashing damage does the exact same thing. So our, uh, barbarian decided to run up and cut one in half and literally did cut one in half. So now that there were like four other jellies running around and then for some reason they all decided that lightning would be the best damage against an ooze, which there's no rhyme or reason whether lightning would be good or bad, but it was really comical how I'm like reading the stat blocks and I'm like, Hmm, immune to lightning. And they'll split into uh, multiple things if they encounter lightning damage. And then they were just like, the sorcerer was like, yeah, I'm thinking lightning with my chromatic orb. It's going to be definitely lightning damage. That just seems like that's what's going to kill these oozes. That's gonna do and it, yeah. so two oozes ended up turning into, I think like seven or six I had because of the damage that they did. So that's nice. That happened to our black pudding in uh, Storm King's Thunder. The same thing happened mm -hmm. where one black pudding, they're all fighting it. Barbarian slashes it. Two black puddings. Yep. Uh, wizard <laughs> hits it with lightning. Four black puddings. Yeah. Things are going downhill quickly. <laughs> yeah, they mopped it up. I was really surprised because they were just like, what did we get ourselves into? But yeah. uh, luckily, you know, they only have half the hit points of the like regular jelly. So they were able to mop it up. Um, it just looked super intimidating as they had six of these things crawling after them. Uh, and that started my process of when I was originally going to run Hot Springs Island, I wanted to run it as a DCC game. So I went through and I converted all of the, because Hot Springs Island doesn't give you monster stats. It's a system neutral kind of setting. So mm -hmm. I went through and I, I said, here's all the monsters. I'm going to convert them to DCC monsters. Well, I didn't do that for fifth edition. So now that I'm running it in fifth edition, occasionally I have, um, I do have somebody made a printed book of like most of the beasts. 
of Hot Springs Island and gave them 5th edition stats, but not every monster, case in point, these ooze elementals didn't have stats. And I'm running into this position where I'm just like, well, crap, they've like ran into this monster, but I don't have a monster prepared for this. This happened again when they ran into some lizard folk and I didn't have like specific lizard folk prepared. So now I've gone through and um, statted out every monster with a fifth edition equivalent so that I don't have to do the like random flipping anymore uh, because it was a slow week at work, ladies and gentlemen. And this is the, <laughs> how I decided to to uh, fulfill my my time at work this week. But I think it'll be good. Now I'm, I'm excited that I, I won't be fumbling with that mechanic anymore. Like I have all of these monsters statted out and it should be, should be pretty awesome. Um, and then in Saver Dice, uh, we're uncovering more about this world that we're trapped in. Um, I'm just having a lot of fun playing a high level wizard. And I always knew that I like wizards and it's really fun because we're ninth level, we're soon to be 10th level. He's leveling us up in the game. And like, I'm casting lightning bolts and flight and I'm using prestidigitation interestingly. And I have like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I, like we got drunk. Uh, they wanted to have a drinking contest. And I said that I used minor illusion to make my beer glass seem full, but I would drink it and then refill it with my minor illusion. So I wasn't actually drinking any alcohol. So I won this contest or not a contest, <laughs> but basically I drank my companions under the table because I cheated. <laughs> and and then I cast Tensor's floating disc and put all of the like passed out bodies on this disc and I was the designated driver getting them home. And so there's just little things like that that make it really fun for me in a, from a role play aspect to play a wizard because you have these like fun little party tricks that you get to use and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So uh, oh, that's cool. we have two episodes left, I think. I think we've done four so far and we've got two left. So it'll be curious to see where the campaign goes because it's only a six episode kind of story arc. Um, and we're trying to figure out where we are, how to get home and what is the mystery behind these three dragons that used to be four dragons that kind of like rule this, this area. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of my week in gaming. And then, uh, my friend, uh, my Hot Springs Island players, they run a game on Saturdays and they were finally like, we should invite Jordan. And I was like, yes, you should. Uh, <laughs> but then ultimately they were like, you run a lot of games, Jordan. Like you run two games a week. You're playing in one. Um, you have seven days a week. Do you really want another game? And I said, day. yeah. And I was like, so then I'd be in four games a week, um, which was, yeah. which was, you know, fair enough. And I actually had to weigh the pros and cons of it, but it's a custom world that he's built and he sent me the map and he sent me a bunch of history about the world and it just got me really excited for it. And so I said, no, I, I definitely want to play. Like, even if I only play for like a couple of sessions and I, maybe I, maybe it is too, too much D and D and I have to like back out, but I was like, mm -hmm. I really excited for it. So they mm -hmm. have a melee warlock, a druid and a wizard. And so they said, you probably want to be more of a martial class if you want to, like a fighter or something, if you want to come in. So I made an Eldritch Knight and Ooh. human Eldritch Knight, really cool. I'm level four, uh, chose like some functionality spells like uh, feather falling and shield and stuff like that. So it should be really fun. But then I was talking to the game master and I'm like, can I be a Warforged? Because I've been researching all of this uh, Eberron stuff for my, my YouTube channel. And I'm like, can I be a Warforged? And he's like, yeah, yeah, why not? Like, we'll, we'll let you be a Warforged in my world. So then that changed everything. And I had to go back and like, oh, do I really want to play an Eldritch Knight and stuff? So I stuck with Eldritch Knight, but I'm going to be a Warforged. And I'm now so stoked and excited um, based on just the... I don't know, just being a cool robot. Like I'm, I'm like yeah. super duper excited now that I get to play a Warforged. And some of the <laughs> other players we were talking in Facebook and some of the other players were just like, is that a new race? Like I haven't heard of that. And I'm like, hell yeah, it's a new race. It's from Wayfinder's <laughs> Guide and it's super exciting. Still legal, still official material, all that stuff. But yeah. yeah. 
that's what I think always a brand new character can really drive a lot of excitement for anything. Cause you just start oh, yeah. thinking of all the possibilities and what you want to do with the character and where it's going to take you and where it might go and, and all the unknowns. It's just like, it's super cool and fun, but then you do get into that. Now you're at four days a week. You're, yeah. you're in Lucian territory of game playing. Cause I didn't even mention it. Yeah. I played Tomb of annihilation on Tuesday night where I'm a player in it with my awesome barbarian that I love playing right now, Racky. And then on Sunday, last Sunday, I was also playing my super fun gnomish uh, arcane archer who was using these kick-ass arcane shots to really turn battles around. Yeah. And it was super fun. And I'm just like, I, it's so fun to play. It's so fun to be a dungeon master. <laughs> I need more days in a week to get everything done. I need more hours in a week yeah. to get everything I want to do because it's so fun to do all these different things. And like you said, we're up to like four of these a week. And I just, uh, uh, Indoor Adventure is about to start out a campaign and he sent me a message to say, hey, you want to play in Waterdeep Heist with me? And I'm like, I do, oh, but be that'd so be fun. five games yeah. I would be playing and my wife's going to kill me now as it is. Uh, so it's super fun. This is a hobby that can quickly get out of hand if you're if you're um, saying yes to too many places. Yeah. But it's still so fun to think about it and do it and want to do more of it. And and when you read about something, it gets you excited and you want to get into it. So it's, it's fun. Hopefully that's what we're doing for you guys out there in the audience is that <laughs> our excitement is bleeding into your excitement. Your excitement's giving us excitement and everybody's getting excited. So it'd be really good. I really like theming characters too. And so my Warforged like robot guy, um, like he took Featherfall. So instead of actually casting the spell Featherfall, I want like vents to come out and like, yes. like, you know, slow his descent kind of a thing. Um, Are you going to Iron Man him? What is the robot in your mind happening here? Well, he looks like a Warforged. I'm not going to Iron Man him, but I like the idea that his magic is more like his body is innately magical Physical. rather than like yeah. trying to cast a spell. So like those vents mm -hmm. would appear, not appear, but like his body would, you know, and I took like protection from good and evil as a spell. And so we're going to say that he, he vents out like a holy mist that kind of protects him from enemies and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What was the other one? Oh, I took lightning lure as a cantrip. So he's able to like, use lightning from his body as a whip to pull creatures towards him to cast, to do uh, electrical damage and things like that. Uh, yeah, theme characters are awesome. No, they are. It. They're just really fun. And <laughs> and so I'm trying to think, what was the last spell I took? I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, that, that reminds me of like the Desert Mage I made just for a test game. Yeah. But I got attached to this Desert Mage yeah. that was 10th level and had all all of the spells and all the effects had to do with somebody, some type of desert theme. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking about those kinds of things, all of a sudden your, your mind is like, Oh, when I do this thing, it's really like hot sand and almost like a, a wind tornado dare uh, dust devil kind of thing. Yeah. Or when I do this, it's because, you know, it's just all these different things about sucking moisture out of the, out of the air, or it's a lot of heat based type things or, you know, obscuring sands and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, my shield was sand that would harden. Yeah, Eglith was the Loviatar character yeah. that I played was very much like that. Like all of my spells were based around pain and stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah, absorb elements was the last one I took. So he's gonna like if you cast like fire on him, his body's gonna absorb some of that and then redirect it back to an attack because that's he's a cool, so cool. robot. Yeah, it's gonna be that's awesome. So, cool. so, and then I think the backstory is that there because his name is Seven, so there's gonna be like seven of these robots in the world and like they're either spread out to different cities. Like every city kind of gets a robot as a protector because I took the background of city watch. So I'm kind of this like city protector guy. Um, and I think we're going to, I have to talk to the DM some more and I'll find out later today, but it's going to be like, he was created by a wizard specifically for like as a bodyguard, you know? Um, and right. I just really like this idea of being this, this really cool Terminator kind of bodyguard guy. So I want to say you just said that because Dave the Human uh, plays with Adam Coble and they're doing mm -hmm. their Roll Twenty stuff. They just started playing um, uh, Waterdeep uh, Dragon Heist. They made brand new characters for it. He made a Warforge. Yeah. And what was his name? I, I think, think his, his name, name is, is eight. Like eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you just said seven. I was like, wait and a minute. In my head? defense, I came up with this on <laughs> Thursday. 
and then Friday I saw that online and I'm like, Oh, I stole my idea. But, um, the numerical, I got it from, uh, the, if you look at Warforged in Wayfinder's guide, they have Mm -hmm. a list of names. And one of them is like, use a numerical name because it kind of fits the whole like Uh, Warforged. They were built in this progression and stuff. So it makes sense that we had the same idea, but yeah. yeah. You can do like the iRobot thing wherever all of them are just like these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Anyway, super fun. fun. Really excited for my Warforged. I'll have to let you guys know next week how that works out. But um, we are up for time. So thank you guys so much for coming out to another wonderful episodes of the Saturday Morning D&D Show where we just kind of talk about stuff. I have a call to action for all of you. We are looking to get iTunes reviews for the podcast. It helps us get the word out. Other people can find the show. Um, if the, if they're reviewed more, it just helps us get more. And I would say over 70% of our podcast downloads are iOS iTunes downloads. So go to iTunes, create an account, uh, leave a five-star review. That would really help us out. And it would be awesome. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, I will put a link in the doobly-doo for uh an itunes review so you can go really quickly and leave an itunes review or if you are more of like a stitcher person you can leave us a review on stitcher but yeah um we have three reviews right now so thank you you wonderful three people that have reviewed us but more would always be fantastic and i didn't forget this week this week while everybody's here how about we kick off a raid as we close our show and go to somebody else's i'm just looking over at the dungeons and dragons channel over on twitch and there's a group of people playing i don't know who they are looks like it's fun game i bet we go over there and raid them right after we're done so i'll I'll let jordan finish pushing us out and then i'll hit the little button and we'll go over and see these other fine folks yeah yeah so it's always fun to kind of raid out that sounds I, Twitch is cool like that. I wish YouTube had more things like that. Like I wish you could host other channels on YouTube like you can on Twitch. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Uh, cool. Thanks again, everybody. We will see you next week with another episode, uh, probably a solo episode as I think Solution is moving. So it's probably just going to be me unless I find a co-host. I'll search around. But uh, we'll see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.